0: Hey everyone, I'm Jay.
1: I'm Sophia and
2: I'm Scott and welcome to Witches is Betwixt.
0: Today we're kind of doing um kind of like a mental health part two episode, uh something kind of like an expansion of our previous mental health episode. Um we want to hit on some 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 main points. Uh like working through depression, healing from trauma and depression, and um and how that and how and how depression and trauma can affect your connection to your craft and um Sophia has really um been recommending this topic a lot lately so I think we're just gonna let Sophia have the floor and open up the discussion and we're gonna take it from there
1: I mean I feel like I've been wanting this uh, topic for a while, kind of because I'm a little bit of a mess right now. And like, I'm just going to be honest. One of the things that's been getting me through it is I'm not hiding stuff anymore. I went through like this very long phase in my life where I thought the solution to my problems was to like not let other people see me suffer because it had impacted some of my relationships personally. And now I realize that like, That's wrong, and I need to be honest about it. What I need to do is be respectful of how I share it, and that's, like, personal growth on my part. But I've been wanting to talk about it because I've been kind of in a place where I haven't been doing the best, and I know a whole ton of people that I know personally. We're all struggling with a lot of stuff right now, and I know 2020 has actually been a really positive year to start off which really sounds weird to say given the past four to five years and how it's been a constant kind of um going from stepping on lego to stepping on lego to stepping on lego (laughs) right true but 2020 has kind of been giving me a bit of space to heal and i want to like Make space for a conversation on that that includes everyone, you know, and I've been talking with um Scott and Jay about this, and we kind of want to start like making the episodes a little bit more of a question that other people can get in on and make it a discussion and a dialogue and I feel like right now a big discussion that we as like a community need to have is about depression isolation and loneliness because these are things that really are impacting more people than we're able to properly speak up about right now and I don't know I don't really necessarily have any answers um like nobody really has hard answers I have advice I have things I've been through but like yeah I'm in a place where like I'm working through a lot of like childhood issues you know as an adult and Mm -hmm. Mm. i just want to make space for all of us to have that discussion and grow and i notice we like do better when we tackle harder subjects you know and i want this to not just be a discussion with us three here which we're about to have but i want to open this up for the whole community i want to hear from you on like uh, our discussion thread, like how do you heal from trauma? How do you heal? What have been your methods? You know, like I think being able to share that dialogue with each other is one of the most powerful things we can do as a community to come together and start sharing our experiences in a way that like bring us closer as well as bring us healing, you know, and whatever that elusive word may actually mean you know, whether um, it's like white light and magical alleviation of pain or whether or not it's actually like working through something, you know. So, yeah, welcome to an episode about healing. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: for me to kind of i think for me i think it's my anxiety that's probably been the worst i don't know i don't know if i would really say that i have depression or anything like that i have experienced um trauma within the past year i have experienced that and that has definitely affected me um and i don't know if i've really begun the process of healing from that i'm not entirely sure but for me uh to really deal with my anxiety i've really especially like literally this past week actually i have been trying to get um hyper organized because the problem with my anxiety is that i want to do so many things right i want to do a million things but i i'm out of my house for like 10 hours a day you know if you factor in work and travel and stuff like that so i really only have a couple hours a day during the work week to to do the things that I want to do, like to, to put time into the projects that I enjoy, to even just watch a show or play a game. And I literally get anxiety about those things. <laughs> like if I um if I if I sit down and like read a book for fun or like play a game for fun, like my brain goes, Well, you should be doing something else. You should be doing something more productive. Like this isn't productive. What are you doing? And then I and I guilt myself into not relaxing, I guilt myself into not having fun. So it sounds really bizarre, maybe to some, but I'm actually, I've been working um, with, I've been using like my Google Calendar and this kind of like light form of bullet journaling to literally schedule time for myself. (laughs) Um, Like I schedule... Like like I block out my time for all the th- all the projects that I want to work on and I devote time to it and I was talking about it before we started recording I was like I'm scheduling like social media posts for the podcast like this this makes me feel good I have a schedule I I, I, I feel organized and this like it just it just it makes me feel happy and it makes that anxiety feeling um, go away in in some sense um but yeah I am I'm literally scheduling time for fun and I know like for some people would be like that's fucking bizarre but okay but for me it's just it's been working it's actually been working really well and um and I'm actually now working so now I've gotten like kind of like a, a working schedule done and now I'm working and then I'm creating a schedule for uh like fun things i want to do and then the next thing will be um figuring out where to block out the time for witchcraft practices like i want to develop uh, develop like daily um practices mm-hmm. which like, i haven't I done I before i like to
1: point out here this is weird because i'm the virgo like are right. a <laughs> Virgo Moon or something like you gotta send me your full chart sometime dude let me actually yeah look i gotta that.
0: look it up again Actually that would be a fun episode just talking about our birth charts.
1: Oh, we gotta do an astrology episode, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know why Uh-oh. we haven't done that yet.
1: Oh, uh, because like obviously we're gonna miss the most obvious thing that we should be doing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm really bad at astrology, but I will do my best. Oh, that's why we do the
0: we we have the computer do it for us. We have a computer generate our birth charts and then we just talk shit on ourselves the whole oh, episode. I was going
1: to say, don't worry. I can talk shade for all fucking three of us. You just need to be present for me to roast you. That's fine. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so what about you, Scott? What have you been? How have you been?
2: Uh, honestly, I mean, so to to kind of keep on in line with like what we're talking about. I've been making sure. Uh, I mean, how do I put this? As our, I think our viewers know, I'm very, I'm a, I'm very big on in the support of therapy. Um, if you can go in any way, whether it's, you know, a, a, you know, seeing a student at a university on a sliding scale rate or getting uh, health care through your state to go, however, if you can, do so. Um, so with that in mind, I've been making sure that I'm completely honest about everything with my therapist, um, all my setbacks, all of my successes all of, like, everything. I don't hide anything. Um, I don't keep anything a secret. Uh, If I'm not ready to talk about it, I plan a date to talk about it finally if I'm not ready at the moment. Um, So honesty is is really, truly a a, a really good policy, as they say. Um, On top of that, uh, I've been working a lot. Uh, I found out the other day, um, early last Saturday, uh, this just past Saturday, that I can communicate with my inner child. (laughs) Even though I knew I could do this, I just didn't think of it. I could communicate with my inner child, my hurt little Scotty, through my tarot cards. I had the greatest discussion with them while doing a tarot session with myself. And I felt elated. I felt happy. I felt, um, I don't know, I just had more, even more clarity. Um, It's really, I mean... it's like I said, it's a process. I don't really know, you know, I don't know if I'm doing anything particularly new. I just know that I'm working through it. Um, And I think that's really the only thing to do when it comes to this stuff is to just keep, keep going, you know, Um, find the place inside yourself where, you know, don't, don't let other people force you to heal. Remember that you heal for you. You know, and that's something that I always had to to keep in mind. Um, still to this day, you know, I. Uh, um, what other things? I'm trying to think of other things that um, are pertinent to me. Things that I've been. I actually about.
0: had a question for you, Scott, about um, your your uh your reading that you did. The conversation that you had with your inner child using cardamancy. Like, explain that. I I want to know more. Like what kind of what kind of deck did you use? What kind of what kind of spread? Like how did you go about it?
2: So, I mean the logical the logical thing for me was I was like I sat down with you know I had a, uh, my I had an oracle and I had um, one of my favorite tarot and I was kind of like uh, I just was doing like just general readings and then I was like okay but all of a sudden it was like a light bulb I had like this aha moment where I was like you've been reading tarot for since you were years old professionally at 19, 18. I was like, and only now you're realizing. So anyway, I realized that I could use the tarot. The tarot would be really good due to the fact that the tarot are very, um, when you, when you read with the tarot, the tarot are very, uh, how do I put this? They're, they're very, um, interpretable. They're malleable. Their interpretations are, are, are uh, they're, they're very, they're suited for the unconscious mind. Um, Due to, due to just their nature, due to what they are as a tool. So it really started with that. And then it really just started with me uh, with, with like any other tarot reading. And I, but instead of asking like the universe a question, I visualized little Scotty like I do in therapy. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? What is it that, what is upsetting you? What is hurting you? What makes you happy? You know, um, and I just started laying down cards. Um, and you could you I I did three, just three cards just to build up a dialogue. And I talked out loud. I know that sounds crazy, but I was alone. But um, I talked out loud to little Scotty as if the, like through the cards, the cards were like a, like this, as if like, I was like um, video chatting him through tarot, you know? Um, so
0: so you you Skype called your inner child with Tara,
2: <laughs> yeah I mean exactly that I mean, I know it sounds silly, but you know no, perhaps- not at
0: all i mean i I schedule fun, so I mean, no, it doesn't sound silly actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but um it was it was interesting to see uh firstly, um I think all of us know what this is like when you're using a form of divination and a card every time you shuffle that one single card keeps coming up keeps coming up keeps coming up and you keep drawing it over and over and over again and you're like Uh, i know
0: i'm shuffling this damn deck like i know i am
2: right right and uh he kept presenting me with the chariot um Hmm. that seems to be my card right now and i mean hmm?
1: are you kidding me that's like literally the card that I have set out for my only card that I have on my tarot on my fucking altar right now. But just no, go on, just go on, keep talking.
2: Um, Synchronicity. That's, uh, that, yeah, that's that's my card right now because um, in in classical Rider weight, the, the the chariot generally is a as a gentleman in a uh, in a chariot um, pulling a white horse and a black horse, right? Um, it's about finding your balance, you know, it's about finding the place inside of yourself where you, you can just kind of, where you're just, your level, you know, where, where you, you, where you're, you're not tipping one way, you're not tipping too far the other. And that's, that's, it's, it's about taking control of your life. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because, oh, this is something I remember too. The the way that this sparked was, uh, I was on TikTok, actually. Someone on TikTok presented a really- Our inter-
0: new obsession.
2: I know. Um, <laughs> uh, presented a really interesting uh, tarot spread in which you flip your deck face-side up and you spread it out and you find the death card. Now, this gentleman says, the card on top is what you laid to rest and the card underneath of death is what is growing in its, like, like in its place or whatever. However, mm-hmm. I didn't see it that way. I kind of think like death, I see the grave. So I it's said right. what is under it is what I've laid to rest. And what is above mm-hmm. it is, um, is what is growing in its place. Mm-hmm. So
1: when I did that,
2: the tower was under the death card and the chariot was above it and I wow. was like and then it came up again when I was talking to little Scotty and it kept mm. coming up so you know i just was uh, yeah if you can't use your tarot deck to talk to your inner your inner archetypes you know um they they, they will they will respond just it'll be a little bit jarring maybe <laughs> but it's it's pretty potent it really is i can't believe I actually posted about it on my Facebook. I just can't believe I, I never thought about it. And I, and I knew that that was an aspect of the tarot. I just never, I never went there with it. But I'm really glad that I did. I actually, speaking of scheduling, I promised myself that um, Friday nights after therapy, um, I, will be ta- I will be kind of touching base with little Scotty on my own in a spiritual way through tarot. So after every mm. session, um, I'm going to come home And instead of just jumping right into avoidance, I'm going to be like, okay, little Scotty, let's me and you have a personal conversation, you know, without my therapist, just me and you Mm -hmm. one-on-one. And that's going to kind of be my, like, tarot exercise and help exercise for a while. That would
0: be a really interesting thing to offer as a reading, like, for someone else, too, like, to speak to a part of them you know what i mean or their own inner child that would be very interesting for you sophia what's the what's the significance of you having the chariot out right now
1: um okay well i was gonna say one thing but i will answer that at first um hmm. i tend to do a reading not necessarily a reading but every time i set my altar and like reset it every per- a set period of time i draw cards and um what it is is it's essentially like I set a theme for my altar and the cards give me lessons and tell me things that I should pay attention to or look out for, you know, like for example, um one of before I ended up like hanging out with a whole bunch of um performers who do choir and sing, a card that came up because I like to be a a, a weirdo and I, I don't just do just tarot. I do like a mixture of stuff. So my altar cards are often um clow cards, like from the anime card captors. So currently I'm gonna turn around and take a look. I have the shot. Ah oh let me actually get up and walk over to it.
0: Can you still purchase those cards? Yes. Yes, yeah, you can. can. I have the are they shot. Expensive?
1: No. no, I have mm. the shot, the sleep. Oh, yeah, I have the voice out current or the song out currently. Um It's right in my center. And then on the right hand side, I have the jump. Um I also have the chariot because like... Every time I'm done um, a reading with my tarot deck, I shuffle it. And that's when I did the reset on my altar last. And um, I don't always cover up the front of my deck because I stand my deck on end on my altar. So there's normally a card that faces, right? And I don't put the universal hexagram on front always. So when I was going to put my cards away the last time, the chariot fell for me and it fell for me not for the person i was reading for because their card that had jumped for them was the queen of wands um and i paid attention to that because divination tells me more than i want it to like way more than i fucking want it to and i um i put it down and to me the the chariot um represents a lot of like forward movement and momentum. Um, like Scott said, it is about balance, right? Because otherwise you like fall over and get um, trampled. But it's also about movement. A chariot, its purpose is movement. It's to carry you somewhere. And sometimes that can be scary. It can be exciting. But it it represents like a journey and movement and travel and like under new undertakings. Right. And like being carried along with the momentum of the world, whether you want to or not. So that kind of touches in on like how I've been meeting a lot of new people and I'm still trying to find like my social circles out here because like I deal with a massive amount of loneliness and isolation. Like, um, to be honest, I've spent most of my life alone, and it's something that I'm working on constantly where i'm I'm finally trying to build up those social networks and like have it be made of like people who I really value now that like I'm out and I've transitioned and I'm here and I've arrived as myself, but I don't have that community to reflect that right so I'm like constantly trying to find my people and it's, it's a challenge. And I have met a lot of really cool people recently who I really like a lot of them and would very much like to spend a lot more time with them. And like that requires me to grow because like when you've spent your whole life cooped up in a room by yourself, you're socially awkward and you're afraid of people and people being nice to you is scary, you know? Like the the hardest things for me isn't like someone pulling a knife on me or trying to punch me. I've had that stuff happen before and it's I I'm fine with it. The real scary stuff is telling people how I feel is opening up to people in a meaningful way that talks about my pain without overwhelming them but also lets them know who I am because all that's a part of me and I shouldn't have to hide it and Christ if you knew if you saw me do half the things that I do as a person and you didn't understand that I was like hurting most of the time you might think that I was a very different person than I am you know and I think it's like part of starting that dialogue that I mentioned where I'm trying to be more honest about everything and part of that comes with like reaching out and like getting outside of my comfort zone and doing something really scary, like talking to people who are really nice to me, which is the scariest thing ever. Cause I've dealt with people who are shitty to me all the time. That's what I'm used to. The scariest thing is like being welcomed in and not knowing what they see in you or why you even des- deserve to be there in the first place. You know, like the challenge isn't necessarily like, meeting the people, the challenge is being ready myself to open up for the people who've been kind enough to present me the chance to do so, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I kind of get that. I also understand like, um, reacting, I guess maybe somewhat oddly or strangely to positive, like social interactions, you know, like compliments and things like that. Like, even at work, like, I don't know, like, even, like, like, like at work, if someone's like, hey, you know, like, really good job on what you did on this and that, and I'm like, I'm just doing my job, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, it's just weird to, I don't really know how to, um, I don't know how to accept a compliment.
1: Yeah, that's part of it, definitely. If someone compliments Mm -hmm. me, I'm awkward as fuck, because it's like, what do you, what do you see in me? Which is, like, it's crazy, and it's like that meme where where on one side the person's being incredibly nice to other people, and then on the other side it's like Gordon Ramsay talking to himself saying, you absolute fucking donkey. Like, that's, that's <laughs> me in a goddamn nutshell, right? <laughs> like, I feel that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are like that, though, because, like, we're raised in a society. We live in a society <laughs> where, like... <laughs> it's it's we're all really kind of beaten down like society kind of uses negativity as a tool to reinforce everybody to, to toe the line right like it's a it's a tool of capitalism and colonialism right and I think that leaves a lot of scars on all of us and we as a people are finally starting to have that conversation more and like talk about how much it affects us and how we're really not as okay as we, we put on most of the time, you know?
0: I agree. Um, I think we, we have a lot of that in, in our society. Um, But I do think that, in particular, like, the queer community is much more open to... Like, there's there's that meme that goes around where it's like, you know, you, you talk to your your straight friend that you've known for 20 years and you're like, oh, hey, how's work? You know, how's the weather? How are the kids? You know, and then it's like, you open up you hanging out with your, um, your queer friend that you've known for, like, five days and you're, like, laying on their couch at, like, three in the morning like, smoking a cigarette and being, like, you know, and that's just how... You you know i feel and that's just like the inner workings of my mind <laughs> and yeah um, i love that meme that goes around because yeah. i'm like man that's just so fucking accurate as to as to how we are i mean i think that's why this podcast is i think that's why we have good conversations is because um a lot of it is through that queer lens and queer people really like like to be fair like Sophia, I haven't known you very long. You haven't known Scott very long, and yet we have these incredibly deep um, conversations that, oh, yeah, like, I, I think know. some people just like wouldn't have, you know. A lot of yeah. our
2: a lot of our conversations are really scary. I mean, even to, I think even to me, but I mean, I enjoy them though. You know what I mean? But like, I get why you know a lot of people are scared of some of the conversations we have. You know, talking about their feelings and talking about you know the way things are i guess you know facing the reality of things you know
1: yeah and it's because it's always going to be easier to talk about something frivolous and not necessarily impactful than it is to be vulnerable with each other mhm
2: mhm mhm it's funny cuz I, I was just reading an article recently there's a lot of research being done that people who experience um, in particular depression, but a feature of that is they believe that people with depression are seeing the world in a much more realistic way than a lot of other people. Um, and they kind of alluded to like the idea of like those young people that, that peak really early in life, you know, just out of high school. And they kind of like, all, like talked about the kids who kind of take longer, you know, like me and stuff. Who it's possible that we're you know we just see the world in a very different way you know.
0: I really definitely do see the world in a in a different way. I think than most people like. Yeah. I just I, I think a lot like. I really think about the abstractness of, of, of how we live. Like, I think a lot of, like, uh, like, the social contract, the unspoken social contract that we all sign in blood when we're born, right? I know it I sounds really... I
1: disagree to that shit, and I swear it out of my blood.
0: <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, you're born into this society right and it's like oh well you have to follow these rules because it's like well i never agreed to this you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um but it's kind of this unspoken idea that well yeah you did because you're here and you're alive and you're walking around it's like well, i never agreed to this so like the idea of like why should i have to like sometimes I, i think and i've said this before i think the older i get the more radical i get in my thinking like um like why should like why do I need a piece of plastic to identify myself to you? Like why do you even need to know who I am? You know, <laughs> like like shit yeah. like that really just um ever more, like even more now it just bothers the shit out of me. Like why do I need six pieces of paper to do one fucking thing? Why do I need all this shit just to get a fucking bank account? Why do I need a bank account? And like and I really start to get like really abstract about all this and i'm like why like like i think about um like uh like paying paying the water bill i'm like why do i have to pay for water why isn't water like a human right like why isn't that just a right like if you live in a home that's connected to public water like why am i paying for water like it just doesn't make any sense or like buying a bottle of water or things like that i also think about things like um like feminine products like tampons pads things like that and like why why like they're one they're incredibly fucking expensive and not everyone can afford them um so i'm like why why can't we just go anywhere and like just go pick up tampons like you can walk into most health centers um or you know uh i guess public kind of outreach places and pick up condoms, why can't you pick up like tampons too? You know what I mean? Like it just it the the social construct, uh, the social contract in which we've all signed without signing it, you know what I mean? It it really it really drives me nuts and that's just kinda as I get older, my outlook on the world gets more and more, I don't know. I, I don't I wanna say abstract, but I think it's actually the opposite of abstract. No I think it's I guess.
1: real Socialist. yeah like it's real That's the
0: word. or like I work in the real estate industry and I'm like the concept of owning land I'm like no you don't fucking own that land you know what I mean like yeah you have a house on it and you have a piece of paper that says I own this land but you really fucking don't you know what I mean because a fucking tornado could take that away from you in a hot second yeah. I don't know I get really angry yeah, at how- the world sometimes <laughs> but yeah i think you're right like people who do have like dep- like depression or maybe even anxiety at some point like they have this different outlook on the world that other people do it really frustrates me when i see people that just assimilate they just assimilate yeah. to the system
2: well you want people to ask questions which is very witchy of you you know what i mean yeah. like we're in in magic we're taught to always you know question everything you know we're, we're you know Question your you know your gods or question your spirits question you know question ask the right questions you know that's a big one you know are you asking mm. the right questions you know um but I mean also too, I mean it's just I think if you really think about it though, like a lot of those same people are the people that are attracted to witchcraft and occultism and magic and mysticism the ask in questions. general. you know the people that want to think outside the box like jay, I understand what you're talking about, like for instance. I don't understand why we have to pay for electricity. Electricity can be created continuously uh, without, you know, why? why? It's a continuous resource. It'll never go out. Like, there will never be no electricity. You know what I mean?
0: Right, especially with, like, you know, we can generate it from wind and solar. And, you know, we have all these, like, clean resources. Well,
1: also, it's... (sighs) we don't have as much clean energy as we, as a lot of people think. That's not to say that we couldn't have like green energy as our main sources. We definitely could. It's just like, it's, it's, it's a bit of a process and infrastructure does take work and it takes a lot of people working together. And like, I have certainly been that person whose hands have laid infrastructure like I've put electrical wires in the ground. I've run pipes into people's houses. I've hooked up their their sewage and their water. And you're paying people for that. When, when you're paying for your water, you're not just paying for, like, somebody to make money off of it. You're paying for, like, the maintenance of the infrastructure of the system that delivers it to you. But... I still think that should be free and just a cost allocation of public taxes, right? Right,
0: like, and I always say, and, like, uh, this is, like, one of the the things that a lot of, like, a lot of Americans will, I don't want to pay higher taxes. Yeah, but if if it's going toward actual fucking things that improve life.
1: (laughs) If y'all were bombing the whole fucking world into the, like, to the Middle Ages, like you you can have all that shit and more it just keeps going to rich defense contractors cuz it makes billionaires richer cuz that's what we've been doing for ages a very
2: long time yep yep
0: but and yeah. I'm not saying that we were a better people or a happier people in the past or before, I don't know, the Industrial Revolution. I'm not saying we were better or happier, but well, no. it was certainly a different outlook. And that's, and I think sometimes in, in witchcraft, we um. We kind of like, oh, the old days, the old days. And especially like older people, maybe older witches and stuff like that, like, or even older hmm, I wouldn't say older queers because it was actually a much rougher...
1: I was going to say queers, is the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, for queers it would be the exact opposite. But um, for witches, you know, well, well, back in, you know, the beginning, the old days, the old days, it's like, okay, well, this is today. And, and I understand because even I get nostalgic for... I get nostalgic for my own... Maybe not my childhood because it was hard growing up, you know, trans and this and that, but the idea of, like, um like for me in particular i think for all for all of us we grew up in that in that time period where like we remember being outside all the time like the internet the internet being in the home was just starting to really become Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. um
1: that's depending on how rural you are too that's more city
0: like yeah i mean like me and scott we both grew up in a city um i don't know like did you have like because you grew up rural sophia Man, I didn't didn't.
1: have, we didn't have, like, dial-up came, and my dad used it for business. We maybe got a computer around when I was, like, 10, yeah, but it wasn't, like, a lot. We couldn't do a lot with it. And, like, by the time. Well, same here.
0: Like, we had dial-up, too. Like, all I could play was, like, B-Paint.
1: But, like, by the time that the internet was regular and we were doing shit, I had become a teenager. And, like, it was finally starting to kick up then. But, like, most of my computer use was at school. Mm Mm-hmm. And like my family finally got a computer eventually. But even then, like, you know, it's not a lot and it's still there. And like I was graduated from high school by the time the first like portable mobile devices were starting to come out. So it's like different mm-hmm. based on like how old you are and where you grew up, right? But we're also kind of like deviating from the topic and I wanna kinda segue back to um Um you were a- kind of getting go ahead. Oh.
2: If I could just say to kind of help with this is what segueing a little bit too back into it, but it's interesting how we were, t- were, you know, we're talking about mental health and it's interesting how naturally we all gravitated toward, toward uh, social implications to our mental health.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
2: think it really speaks to a lot of people and a lot of um, communities in particular, a lot of uh, impoverished and minority communities, how much uh, the state of our of, 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 uh, society, how much of that, um, really affects us and really moves us in not always the best ways, you know, causing I traumas agree. and things like that. I think that's a, I'm sorry, Sophia, I hope that helped you a little instead of. India. I mean,
1: it's not quite, but it is a point to make that I wouldn't like want not made to right? It It is just different, What I was going to segue to, um, and that is a good point. Um, was Scott kind of, or Jay kind of talked about briefly, like, the trauma of growing up queer, and I kind of wanted to loop this back to, like, um, the discussion of, like, trauma and healing, and, like, yeah, definitely, social factors are a huge tie to that, right, and, like, so is queerness, and, like, uh, your everything and like how much you go through while you're growing up like affects you and what you have to deal with as an adult and in the rest of your life so directly that like you can't divorce the two issues from each other you know and like we all mm-hmm. do kind of have this like collective trauma if you're if you're in the betwixt you know whether you're racialized whether you're queer whether you're uh got a minority status of various different degrees like you you live with the trauma of that because it's not exactly easy and you have shit you go through right like i'm not going to go into the specifics but i have a lot of trauma related to being a closeted queer trans woman you know and like I don't talk much about my family, but like on my dad's side of the family, like the Métis side, we have such a history of addiction and mental health. My brother got diagnosed with um, anxiety. Um, My sister had other stuff that I'm not going to say because I know that... Like, I'd have to ask her ahead of time if I could say it, but like, we've all been diagnosed with shit. Like, mental health is an issue. I'm a fucking ruthless drug addict. I'm lucky that like what I'm addicted to is weed, but like, man, I will smoke a half ounce in a week easily if you let me. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of weed. And like, my cousin's living on the street homeless and she's addicted, and like, so is her mother, and like, There's it's there's a lot of complicated like generational issues that'll affect you too, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't always get like the same slice that everybody else does. But we all have in common is that like we're all healing something, right? We're Mm -hmm. all together. And if there's anything that really pulls us through this, it's each other. Like for for how fucked up the world is, for how many challenges we have facing ourselves right now, like, it's always together the answer is where we find it, right? Like, it's always coming together that makes solutions happen. It's not in trying to solve things by ourselves or trying to put the weight of the world on your shoulder. It's community, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, I I couldn't be where I am right now if I didn't have all the people who've supported me along the way. Granted, sometimes it's been a lot less than I would have liked, but no no person's an island. And I think, like, we've got to learn to lean on each other a little bit more and ask for help, you know?
2: I agree. I agree completely, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: I was gonna say to to speak a bit about the the trauma of um of growing up queer, you know, and I never really thought of it as trauma until now, cause like when I think trauma, I think of like some big event, you know what I mean, like some massive event that happened once mm-hmm. and like you're kind of messed up from it. That's what I go to when I think of trauma, but I never really thought of just the experience of growing up queer and and other was um was traumatic, but yeah, I I suppose it is. Um, it is absolutely Yeah. And I just think of, you know, like basically the way that I was socialized. One, I mean, kids were to be seen and not really heard. So and thankfully, like I had a sister who was around the same age as me, so we kind of were able to like entertain ourselves and you know stay stay out of the hair of the adults and whatnot. Um but the other thing too is um the way that I was instructed to interact with the world, and that was basically be afraid of it. I was taught to be afraid of the world um, because my, my dad would say, like, I remember, i be like, hey, why, why can't I stay out until after dark and play with the rest of the kids on the block? And it was, oh, well, because you're a girl. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why can't I stay out late? He's like, well, because people like to hurt little girls in this world, and weird people come out after dark. And so you can't go out after dark, and I and I was just like, what the fuck, you know, like I, like even at a young age, I was like, that's fucked up. So like, instead of making some kind of effort to to maybe make a change, you just you just accept the fact that people hurt little girls, and that's it. That's just the rules. Dem's the rules. That's it. And it was also double hard for me too because I. Like, you know, you have people saying to you, you are a girl, you are a boy. Like, I have people saying to me, you are a girl, you're a girl, you're a girl my whole life. And I'm like, it just doesn't really compute to me, though. I don't, un- I, like, I hear what you're saying, but I don't understand what the fuck you're saying to me. You know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I get you. <laughs> and, that's and I guess that's like- where the yeah. trauma
0: comes in. That, it's like the where that trauma comes in. Like, you're, someone's telling you, you're this, you're this, you're this, and you're like, I I hear you, but no. But you don't have the ability to communicate that.
1: Yeah, and, like, the trauma of being forced into a rule that you don't want to be socialized for. Like, how many times I was told to man the fuck up, or how Mm -hmm. I got put into literal construction at age 15. I got dumped into shit that was for grown-ass fucking men, because it was supposed to man me the fuck up. Because I was... A very effeminate kid, you know, and fuck man, it's damaging.
2: Absolutely.
0: Do you think you learned anything from your time in construction now? Like I know like we talk about our traumas as terrible things, but do you think we to can do you think we learn from trauma?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what I learned. I learned bitter truths. I learned that people who you think sometimes care a lot about you will be very selfish and use you and not see the negativity of what they're doing and still always find a way to frame themselves as the good guy. I learned how in a way to be a warrior, to be hurt and shrug it off because it's for the betterment of the company to not seek medical aid when you properly need it, to work yourself until you have sunstroke and you're about to pass out and people call you a little bitch for taking a day off when you're sick, or how to recover from almost losing my hand, or what it was like to almost die time and time and time again, or watch sometime you were almost incinerated, and you learn how to live in a world that's not okay and is never going to take care of you. And you learn to come through some really fucked up shit that you might not survive, but you do because you learn how to be careful. I learned to be self-dependent and watch out for myself. Cause I know a lot of the time there ain't going to be somebody else to do it. Hmm. Sorry if that's too too bitter.
0: No, it's just just incredibly valuable things um, to learn at such an early age. But also sad that you had to learn them in that way at such an early age.
1: Scott talks a lot about her inner child. The theme of my life is that I didn't really get to have a childhood, right? Like I was like fatally sick when I was five, you know? I don't have an inner child. I don't have something like that that I can communicate with. Nothing scares me more than the idea of being a child and not having agency again and having my emotions completely invalidated and not having... I wasn't even allowed to have an opinion when I was a teenager. I was told by my dad that I was, like, too young to have an opinion, right? I, so I the... can...
0: Yeah, I can... Um, I had yeah. that same so, like, kind of experience.
1: I had to be an adult ever since I was a kid. I had to take care of myself. I had to teach myself to shave when my dad wasn't there, teach myself to cook, fucking learn how to not die on the job site. The only thing that my dad taught me was how to be um, a compliant member of society and how to be a cutthroat fucking businessman and to understand when somebody's going to put a knife in your back, put a knife in their throat first.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: So I think it's... I think it's actually really beautiful that you take all that, and you decided to be like, okay, I get it, all right. But then you kind of, you're kind of doing the opposite of that now. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're kind of like saying we all need to like be gentle with each other and understand and communicate and things like that.
1: Yeah, I like that. They, that you've taken end, that. Uh, go ahead.
0: I was just saying you've taken that. You you've extracted the lessons that you could learn but you've thrown away the rest of the bullshit that came along with it
1: to be honest I haven't I still carry mm. a lot of it with me there's a lot that I could let. Like, I wish I could let go of like what I just said there but if, you, if mm-hmm. someone's gonna stab you in the back stab them in the throat before they can like that's the the cold hard raw survival instinct that comes down to when i'm like right down to the fucking wire Mm
2: -hmm. and like
1: i know what that's like because i've had to live my life in survival mode so much and i've had like people jump me and try to like do horrible things to me and i'm like i have had to be ready for that shit right it it i while i choose to do better And I deliberately work at healing, which we should start talking about the healing part soon. I still have the scars and I still know exactly what it's like to be in those dark places because they're not gone. You still carry them with you, you know?
0: Yeah and I mean speaking of the healing part of it it was actually going to kind of um segue into that <laughs> what things have you done since those and this is also open to you as well and to me so what things have we done since these um since these traumatic experiences or rough time periods in our lives you know what things have we done to heal from that or have we not
1: uh i can i can uh. just follow Actually, you know what? I've talked a lot. Please, Scott, you go ahead. (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, you know, it's funny because one of the things that that is very apparent um, is that I think people with trauma, you will always be changed. Um, Trauma will always leave a scar. And you learn tools, even in therapy, to learn to adapt, to learn to cope. To learn to, you know, heal doesn't mean what I think people think it means. Um, many times getting better, as far as trauma is concerned, is more about how we look at the trauma. Um, it doesn't ever go away. So, I mean, like, for instance, for me, I will probably have panic, like a panic attack, you know, they may become lessened. And to say that I'm healed, I will forever be healing. That's what I'm trying to say. I will forever until the day I die be healing from what I've experienced. Um but it's more for me healing is just about proving myself that I can be more than what it, what I am. Like I could be the better I could be a better me regardless of it and I can learn how to understand it and walk through my pain instead of letting it rule my life. Um, and and suddenly things become different. You become better as far as your actions, as far as your your even your thought processes. But uh, it, it, uh, trauma changes you kind of forever. It's always kind of I mean like you can't be cured. I don't. There is no cure. You can manage it in a very healthy way. Um, so healing for me is like a forever journey. You know when I when I first started talking when I first to my friends, you guys, my family, whoever, and was like, I finally put myself in the therapy. It's the greatest thing I've ever done for myself, for instance. I understand that that's probably that's gonna be a part of my life forever. I will I will have a therapist probably forever. Even you know, even hopefully when I get my degree, I will still have a therapist. You know what I mean? Um so for me it's a it's a life commitment. Healing is a lifelong commitment. And uh it's It's finding the place inside of myself that made it worth it, you know realizing that I had a lot more to offer. you know people come to me already for advice, they come to me because they're sad, they come to me because they're lonely, they come to me because you know they don't know how to handle a situation, and you know i I have and I, and I do my best I can for these people um my friends and and whoever, and um friends bring me their friends that I've never met for. For advice or something, and or reading, but sometimes I think that all kind of applies. And uh, you know, they come back to me later, and they're like, you know, thank you so much. You know, thank you so much for putting it in perspective. Thank you for listening to me, just hearing me out while I cried or while I rent, vented or something. You know, and I realize that I, I have the power to heal people um, before before it's too late. Before uh, their trauma may be too much, or even even if it's only just to help people to realize that they can also start their healing journey. You know, they can also begin to um, empower themselves and to take back the parts of them that were taken from them by circumstance and people. You know, I hope that any I hope that all made sense.
1: No, it does, and I can segue that into a, a big part of mine, because, like, you said that healing begins when you frame it differently, and while that may not necessarily be 100% true for me, um, that it, like, the beginning point, it, it definitely did help, right? Like, what what helps me make sense of it all isn't necessarily, like, that one day it'll be gone, Right? One day I'll hurt less. I hurt less over time, continuously. But what it's really about for me is being able to help other people. And I understand, um, if you know the lessons of astrology, um, Chiron, the wounded healer. The lesson of that is that, like, as a healer and someone who wants to help other people in the world, I wouldn't be able to do my job if I didn't know pain. I couldn't truly help somebody who wanted to end their life if I didn't know that pain, I don't think. At least not for me. And I'm not saying that has to apply to other people. But because I've been through so much, I can relate to people. I can be that person who sits down next to somebody who's going through so much when they and they could look at me and be like, you couldn't possibly know what I'm going through. And I can look at them back and be like, No, but I could probably say the same to you and at least we're comrades in that, you know? And I think that's what helps me get through it all in the end, is the fact that I can do something with this. I can help other people who've been hurt. It doesn't make me less of a person that I'm traumatized and I have all these problems. I am like it's it's kind of like the broken vessel, you know, those pots that get smashed and glued back together with gold. It's kind of like that, you know, like my my damage and how I've cobbled myself back together is the essence of my beauty and to be able to share that with other people It doesn't necessarily solve it. It doesn't necessarily make sense of why it happened. But it gives me a direction and a purpose with it, you know? And to be able to view that all as something that I needed to be who I am, to make the difference in the world that I, the core of my being, want to make. How could I do it if I didn't come through it all, you know? And... It's just like Scott said, Like people start coming to you, right? And I haven't had a therapist in a long time. The last therapist I I saw cost me way too much money. And I've never actually had one who helped. But I've managed to be my own therapist. And because of that, I've been able to help so many people. And in the end, whether whether people remember me or not is irrelevant because I've lifted people up. That makes it worth it, you know? Yeah. I, I, think, I think healing comes for me when you have purpose of, of what to do with it, you know? Uh,
2: Charles Dickens is quoted as saying, no one is useless in this world lightens the burden of another
1: yeah definitely and
2: i, like I absolutely
1: that love that me too but yeah I that's kinda, what it means to me what does it mean to you um
0: i kind of like what you were saying at the end there sophia um for me personally i think that the first steps that i've taken toward healing um i think a lot of a lot of my trauma was growing up queer and growing up trans and not having the language to communicate that even to myself. Um, And I think a lot of uh, the things that I hold onto is I regret not coming out sooner because I had, I had an inkling of being trans um, I guess in my late teens, early twenties, but I really suppressed it really quickly. Um, So I really came out, I guess, closer to my, mid 20s I was like 24 25 something like that and I regret not coming out sooner so but for me the first steps that I took toward healing was finally coming out coming out for that I guess the final time because <laughs> um, you know I had come out as um as gay earlier in in my life but I think coming out as 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 trans um was that first step I took toward healing because I could finally be honest. I could finally be like, okay, this is the situation because I fought it for the longest time. And I was even one of those people that were like, Oh, these fucking people thinking that there are other genders that they're not, you know, that's fucking bullshit. Like, it's almost like a lot of how a lot of people, um, they say a lot of homophobic shit, bef- but they're actually like gay and they're just like suppressing their own queerness. Mm-hmm. Um, that was me like in my, in my teenage years. I was like, Oh fuck, you know, I'm, I'm a lesbian, you know, I'm this, I'm that, you know, uh, whatever. Um, you know, fuck men. Why would I ever want to be a man? Um, so I was really just suppressing that and it was just really not good. It just wasn't, it just wasn't good. Um, so I think when I came out, it was like a huge healing step for me because I was like, you know what, I'm really not a fan of, Men in general, you know what I mean. Like I'm not, like, especially like cishet <laughs> men, like typical men, you know what I mean. I'm not a fan of them. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand male, cishet male culture. I still don't fucking get it. Um, and it pisses me off when I, I just, just I don't know. It just sounds like caveman grunts to me sometimes. I'm like, be fucking civilized. What the fuck? Um,
1: you're not too far off
0: right <laughs> um but i think that was that was a big thing for me because i'm like i don't like i don't vibe with cishet men and yet i know that i am a man and i know that i am and 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 it was it was painful and also liberating to come to that conclusion um and there was and it cost me it cost me some things when i came out um like i did have a a long a long-term relationship that was pretty much i mean we were kind of on our way out for other reasons but i think that kind of was the nail in the coffin when i had finally come out um so i'd lost a long-term relationship i didn't really lose any friends which was good and thankfully I I really thought I was going to lose uh my parents but I didn't they were kind of like yeah we uh we kind of saw that coming and I was like oh shit um so I didn't lose very much but I felt like I but I I lost something in a good way I lost the old me um I almost feel like when I hear like my old name like I, I when I hear my old name I'm like who's that you know like who's that person Um, I feel like completely different and a friend of mine was saying to me he was like uh, my friend Rick he was like you know it's weird I feel like I've known you twice like I feel like I've met you twice you know like because we were friends in high school so he knew me you know before transition And he knows me now. And I'm like, well, which one do you prefer? He's like, I mean, you're both cool. But, like, obviously, like, we get to use the same bathroom now. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) And -hmm. uh, and every time, like, we're out somewhere and we both walk into the men's room, he's like, this feels right. Like, this just feels like the way it should have been, like, all this time. And I'm like, yeah, it does. I just wish the stalls were fucking cleaner so I could fucking pee. But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I mean, I just I think that was my first steps toward um, healing. There, There is another uh, uh, traumatic kind of thing that I have gone through recently, but I went through it with uh, Katie and it's very personal to her. So I don't feel like even though I was directly involved in it, it's not exactly my story to share. Um, but that is the thing that I have to uh, work on to start healing from and i'd be comfortable with talking to you both privately about it but it's not something i'd want to share on the podcast because like i said it's not it's not my story to tell and
1: i know exactly what you're talking about already like i
2: do yeah, I, I,
0: yeah. mm. but that is definitely something that um it's kind of i don't like the idea of new year's resolutions but you know in in the year of 2020 that is something that i am going to really work through because when i and i mentioned it before you know when i when i try and get to a a zero space or a neutral space or just kind of calm the fuck down i just i go right there and i just need to work to work through that um but so i feel like i feel like there's two main things that i had to to kind of get over in life and that was finally being real to myself and coming out as trans and now this this new thing kind of uh presented itself to me and now i'm like okay This, this one's a big one. I almost feel like this one's harder to get through than the first one.
1: You know, and that just makes me want to say that, like, healing is not a linear journey. Uh, Scott said it is a continual thing, and that's very correct. But, like, each step looks different. Right like the, the coming out as trans was so healing to me as well, like what what you're talking about struck like home so true, mm-hmm. and when I was in that point in my life where I needed to come out when i was twenty five yeah, I like same. I could not heal at all until I dealt with that, mm-hmm. and I think a big mm-hmm. thing about healing is being true, being true to yourself, being true to the people around you. Absolutely. Like, being honest, being vulnerable. That so like, just like what I was
2: saying in the beginning. Remember when I was saying about like how I've, I've particularly made a point to be honest
1: yeah, about like
2: your, where therapist. I'm at. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like what you were saying, Sophia, how you're, how um I think, I don't know if you said it when we were recording or maybe before recording when you were like, I just keep telling people I'm fine. I just keep telling people I'm okay and you're like nope I'm dying inside
1: (laughs) oh well no not quite I what I said Mm. was I don't like people to know that I'm not doing well very often because Mm. I've had it really um impact a lot of my relationships because I used to trauma dump on people in a way that wasn't okay and I would give them way more fucking information than they needed or were even capable of advising me on and then I would swamp people and they Mm. wouldn't want to be around me because it's like you can be a downer them to process but it's like yeah it's like i asked for help with someone to get me my new bed delivered to my house right Mm. it was like a secondhand bed for 50 bucks and i paid Mm. the girl 20 bucks for the ride and i was like thankful and shit but in like the 10 minutes i knew her she was telling me about like her ex-roommate physically (laughs) assaulting her and shit i'm like Whoa, this is way too much. I just fucking need my bed right now. I don't, I did not sign up to hear your fucking shit. God damn. And it's not like she was in a dangerous situation and was asking for help. She Mm. was just like, oh, look, see that house there? Three years ago, I was physically assaulted and kicked out. And it's like,
0: and you're like, whoa, buddy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And like, it was a real quiet car ride after that. And, uh, uh, I kind of used to do that a little bit to people, right? And then like, now I you would,
0: realize.
1: Yeah, and then for a while I was like, no, I can't tell you anything. It mm-hmm. would traumatize you just to hear my trauma, which it actually can for some people, not gonna lie, because it's, intense. but...
0: But I think if you're in a I good... can
1: talk about it at all. There's a fucking balance. Yeah. Shit. Like, yeah. I think
0: if you're in a situation and someone's like, listen, I'm okay. Lay it on me. Then <laughs> well, I think... I just...
1: I've gotten better about talking about it in a way that doesn't give people fucking details that make them stressed out. Mm-hmm. Like, I can say I had a really rough child- childhood. That doesn't stress them out to hear. They know, oh, okay, she went through some shit. I'm not laying it on them.
0: But does that do enough for you?
1: Yeah. because It I, does? Like, I, because here's the thing. I've processed it. If I have something that I need to work through, I'm going to sit down and write a fucking poem about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have um, outlets. I, yeah. And like, I know that random ass fucking Susan on the street, isn't going to be able to give me the therapeutic advice that I need to get through a situation. And if mm-hmm. anything, I'd come to a close friend with it. Right. Who we already have an established relationship of trust and a mutual exchange like that. Right. So like, the the most of the time that I'm talking to people about what I'm going through, it's not because I want them to fix it or give me advice. I just want them to know why I'm feeling down at the time, right? Or why I'm acting the way I'm acting. I just want them to be, like, connected with me and understand me as a person and that I'm going through some shit and I will be okay. But Actually,
0: this really, this brings me back to when I first met you.
1: <laughs> i was this... a fucking mess
0: wasn't i i'm not even thinking about that i was thinking about because i met you through transmission gaming which is uh yeah. um, we should probably plug that more because that's a great place three for people ago. to go um yeah like three years ago and trans it's a it's a uh, transmission gaming is a is a discord group for trans people who play games and created it's a super cool nicotine. group yeah we we both uh yeah and created created by nicotine Um, who is a trans woman. Check her out. I'll put links. It's fine. Um, Free promos for Nikki all day. So, um... Or maybe she should
1: promo us because she's, like, hella Twitch fan. Yeah, she's,
0: like, she's, like, partner now and I'm, like, what the fuck? Yeah,
1: she's, like, front page Twitch on fucking... Yeah. She's, like, queen of
0: Twitch now. Like... Man, our Lord and Savior nicotine. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that's how me and Sophia met. So really, I kind of, I think I just stumbled into your stream randomly. I think that's what it was, and we just kind what of started it, talking.
1: But I you, actually think what it was, um, because my memory is autistic levels. Uh, we had the trans clan together. And you were looking for a trans clan. I don't know how you found Transmission Gaming, but there was the first three members were myself, Lillian, and Vikram. And then after that, you were the fourth one. You were the person who joined right after that, and then there was Ruby.
0: Yes, it's because um, it was a lot of PC gamers, and we were like, hey, what about the PS4 people? We're going to do our own thing. I think that's what yeah. it was. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of how me and Sophia met. So we met in a very like random it's really fucking random. really random it's, way. It's almost um, like fake. But I remember there was this person in your chat all the time that would just come Trump into the Trump. chat and just dump and just like well today was that like oh, you okay. were a therapist. And a lot of people do this to um to Twitch streamers. I noticed this is a this is a big problem. And it's kind of something that I just realized that so as people get to know our podcast more and if we become more public figures, you know, um this could happen and I just kind of want to make like a like a statement and just say like it's okay to tell us what's up and what's going on. But we are by no means licensed therapists so we may not always have an answer or a solution but we will definitely always listen and respond in some way Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and even if all i can do to respond is like give a heart react to an emotionally heavy thing i'll have read it even if i can't respond you know Mm -hmm. like there will be someone there but there's only so much we can engage with certain things and we do have to have boundaries for Mm -hmm. ourselves as well
2: absolutely
0: Mm -hmm. but um, yeah i just i kind of thought about all that it just kind of came flooding back to me
2: (laughs) well no i mean i think about it too like when i when i finally get my shit together and get my degrees and stuff Mm -hmm. like it's not like that wouldn't even be professional even if i did have my degree you know what i mean like
1: oh my god we're gonna have to have a fucking disc we actually will literally have to have a legal disclaimer on an episode saying that scott is not giving uh <laughs> yeah. a, like um like advice uh, here
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's- wow. I have- i'll talk to a lawyer
1: eventually That's year's down the road
2: <laughs> so, i mean i i have to get my bachelor's it'll only be two years and then i'll have the certification but i would have to work under a licensed master's or doctorate to okay cool but, we'll
1: cross that bridge in two years. Yeah,
2: but we, yeah, that, I mean, we do have to cross it. I just wanted you guys to be aware of it. Sorry, Jay.
0: No, it's it's all good. good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was just kind of thinking about that. So it's like it's like the idea of like, yes, um, like here we prom- we promote and encourage people to open up, talk, discuss, share. You know, tell us if your day was bad. Tell us if your day was good. Tell you know, talk to people in the community. But please understand that like, you know, there's. There has to be levels, you know, and 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 if someone like if someone straight up says like I'm comfortable with you just dumping everything on me like go for it, then okay, um like it, it's like the the rules of consent apply even when you're yeah. sharing and being vulnerable and and opening up and I think that's just important to to remember.
1: In fact, that's a dialogue we as a community are gravely needing to talk about is. Mm-hmm verbal consent on trauma sharing like like, I have gotten so much better at talking about stuff without giving details like saying hey I'm dealing with mental health stuff right now I I'm okay but I need a bit of time to respond you know instead of being like oh my god I I got laid off and just like dumping all my shit on someone you know like I've developed that skill and like I feel like us older queers kind of got to pass that information on a little bit because we went through a lot of pain to get that knowledge and I'm sure we can save a lot of pain by it but like you really got to ask someone before you start talking about stuff, especially in a community where so many of us have our own like
0: our own traumas brand of and
1: triggers, <laughs> yeah. you could be thinking your burden is the heaviest thing in the world. And you could start dumping it on someone who's been so much that they're a hair away from cracking and you don't even know you mm-hmm. got to ask people you got to have consent to be able to share stuff that's really that heavy you know and people got it's got to be okay for people sometimes to say no mm-hmm. you know
0: and it doesn't and, mean and, that they don't care about you
1: yeah it means that they care about themselves as well mm-hmm. and they if, if they can't engage with it maybe they're not the person for that right it's not that you're alone it's that we have to share stuff responsibly in a way that is mindful of everybody's healing and everybody's traumas too.
0: And actually, I think this episode might actually be a good example of that. (laughs) This like entire episode right here, because we kind of talked about, you know, some really deep stuff, but you know, I mean, I don't feel particularly burdened by anything that either of you have shared, you know, like I feel, I feel okay. Okay. You know, if mm-hmm. anything, I just feel more thoughtful and and reflective. You know, just yeah. on everything that we've talked about.
1: It's because okay. this has been like a dialogue. It's a discussion of like how we work through stuff rather than us like dumping our issues on the table, right? What were you gonna mm-hmm. say?
2: Huh?
1: You were? I, I thought you were gonna say something. Oh
2: no, I was just, I was just, you know, uh, kind of just making a noise in agreement
1: yeah
0: so um do we kind of want to summarize like are there, are there any other particular um actually no what we didn't little, get into
1: i was gonna say do we have any like magical touch zones on like, yeah that's, and shit?
0: yeah that's what i was gonna ask like like tools and stuff like that and you know what we didn't get into is this
1: connection from the craft
0: yes we didn't hey. get into that
1: we're on the same fucking page today, bud.
0: Yeah, we're doing good. I'm telling you, this this schedule of mine is just it's it's and, improving uh, my life. Uh, 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 uh,
2: uh.
1: Yeah. And having like real discussions always takes it to the next level, you know?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. what do you want to get into first? Do you want to get into kind of like tools that you use magic wise or do you wanna get I'd into say the if discussion? anybody
1: has a point they want to jump into, let's just go there.
2: To get into as as far as how health affects my craft, um it, it, it's draining obviously right uh there are many times where i just can't i can't i can't do any mm-hmm. times where i just want to uh you know i want to avoid due to my fear avoidance or mm-hmm. i just want to lay in bed or, or be on the computer and do nothing something mindless mm-hmm. um and the thing is witchcraft is none of those things witchcraft is not doing nothing which is not mindless you know uh witchcraft is hard and it takes effort um thing is is that i find that i become worse the more i ignore it uh, i i don't like the feeling of ignoring my craft i don't like the feeling of my altars becoming dusty and my my you know my my spirits just kind of being like hey you know we're waiting for you um the good thing about my spirits is that i have this wonderful relationship in which they kind of come to the point to they're like you never do anything unless we light a fire under your ass <laughs> um so but this time, it's been a little bit different. Uh, sometimes they kind of led me back in, and they've been doing that, but they were like, you're a bit of a different person now. They said you have a different outlook things. You know, you've been you doing really good in therapy. You, can, you know, kind of uh, really talking with your shadow and doing all that work. And they were like, uh, how about rededication? All of a sudden, they inspired me to write this wonderful uh, self-rededication ritual. Um and really, it's, it's funny because it's not worded, like, you know, kind of um, in the way of like someone starting out would dedicate themselves. It's more like uh, a promise, an oath to uphold the things that I've let go of or the things that I've always held on to, you know. Um, but it, it feels like the right time. You know, I feel, I, it's funny, I feel new in a different way. Uh, because of all the work I've been doing, not that I'm saying I'm, I'm better or whatever, just different, um, even from, you know, then. So, yeah, I, I just want to, I, I guess I want to make sure that I'm making responsibilities for myself. So that way I'm forced to stick to them. And I think kind of swearing, uh, making sure I take oaths and do what I have to do with my spirits and stuff. Um I think it'll help me, you know, creating a schedule for my craft, uh, keep me moving on on my mundane life, you know, finding uh, work and, and doing all that, going back to school and, you know, getting all that situated. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I am actually incredibly excited for this dedication ritual for a couple of reasons. Actually, you know what I was just thinking of? So you said you pulled the chariot. Right, you kept getting the chariot, and the chariot Mm -hmm. is pulled by a white and black horse. Was that the inspiration for the white and black candle that you're using, the the, the white and the black candles?
2: You know what's weird? I no, that wasn't the lot. Like the logic behind that was not that, but Mm. I just realized now that you're saying it, that's really freaking weird. (laughs) (laughs) Weird or witchcraft? Witchcraft, but you know, weird with a Y.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly um but yes so i i have also been feeling a disconnect from my craft so i've been i've been going through a lot of stuff so um when i was living with katie i was kind of in this like recovery mode because i had lost um i had lost a good paying job and then um you know we couldn't afford the apartment anymore so then we all had to split up and move in different places so that's how i ended up with katie living in her parents basement it was just i don't regret the experience like it's just it's, it's a life experience but it was also not the greatest you know what I mean like when you're just like living with one it's it was, we were in one room I had to condense an entire apartment into one room with three cats and it was just it's a lot um and it's just a lot um so finally I you know and I, and I remember talking about it forever in in past podcasts of me moving and this and that so me and Joyce are living together um you know we're we're kind of renting this house um from my grandfather that he owns so i'm very fortunate to be in a new space i have i have actual space to to move around and do things and um and then I have this problem of like, I get fixated on things. So, like when we were moving, I was fixated on moving. And then when we finally moved, I was fixated on unpacking and getting everything just right. And just so, like I can't possibly do any magic until everything is in its place. And I'm like, what? like nothing like the, this house isn't ever going to look perfect. It's an old house, you know what I mean? and and, like the basement has, like, three different generations worth of clutter in it and I really wanted that to be my working space but right now it's um it's uh it's our back guest bedroom so there there is a like a twin bed in there so if someone stays over but I also use that as like uh, my witchcraft space and Joyce is using it as um their makeup room so it's uh it's a double kind of uh thing but usually we're not in there at the same time so that works out too um because I wouldn't want to Uh, have a bunch of incense going while Joyce is doing a face full of makeup that would be rude Um, but so I get fixated on these things of like well this has to be done before I do this and this has to be done before I do this and I I really need to get myself out of that Um, so I have had a huge disconnect from my craft because I've been using every excuse in the book to not do witchcraft don't ask me why I don't know I think maybe I'm just having some anxiety about it not being perfect like i i I, i've had this in my head that i need everything to be perfect and i'm like no why why am i doing that you know why 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 is this happening in my brain right now um but i just i need to get back into it and i went over scott's recently and scott showed me the 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 rededication ritual that they had written and i was like this is great and I need to do this because I realized I haven't done a dedica- like a dedication or a rededication since I was like 16, 17 years old in my, in my Wiccan days. It's been a long time. And, uh, and how I look at it is I dedicated the old me um, to Wicca, but the new me is, ded- is dedicated to the practice of witchcraft, which is similar but very different at the same time um so i'm i'm really excited to do this dedication ritual and uh also joyce will be joining us for this ritual and it will be their first their first uh dedication ritual which is really cool to witness that to witness someone's first
1: (laughs) yeah that's really cool i was Mm just gonna say um i'm kind of doing something and i don't want to elaborate on it too much that you two might be interested in and I will send you an invite to it it's basically like an occult group that's kind of like a magical gym to go to
0: that sounds cool that's also something that me and Scott were talking about we want to um get like witch study nights going yeah mm-hmm.
1: that'd be fucking rad that's right up the alley of what this is i'll send you a link after and i'm not gonna name yeah. it as it is on here because like i don't want to plug it it's like a small private group and mm-hmm. it's not like a big thing you know
0: mm-hmm. but yeah we're doing which study nights and I, at first i thought about you know like um Like getting physically together, but I don't know. Like Sophia, if you want to get on that too, it would be a lot easier to schedule because then it could just be like through through like a Skype call or something. Yeah, but
1: there's a lot that you can't do on Skype, you know.
0: True, but at least like for a discussion. I mean, like a like a book club or so a witchy book club, (laughs) or at least um, talk about the things that we could do. But either way, um, uh, that's that's something I want to do too. Like I I need like I always liked school. So I always liked having a curriculum to follow and I think that's why this, this schedule thing is working out for me so well, because I'm like making a, a syllabus for my life. Um so yeah, I, I've I've just always liked um structure to a point. I like structure that I create for myself. I don't like structure that is imposed upon me. Absolutely. If that makes yeah. any sense.
1: Yeah. If I could touch on, like, how I'm trying to, like, reconnect to Minecraft and stuff, um, I'm at a weird place with that. Because, like, I do very often results-based magic, which I don't want to toot my horn, but I get really good results with. And the problem is the best techniques I have are... F- fucking so minimalist that it almost feels like I'm not doing magic sometimes and I know that it's a false feeling of stagnation because like I'm doing tons of shadow work you know like confronting my negative aspects and like working on growing through it I'm like doing tons of like direct manifestation and like pursuing my true self and manifesting my true will But because I'm not, like, doing rituals or doing spells or doing – or, like, doing conventional spells that require ingredients, um, and I'm not, like, doing any type of, like, witchcraft, devotional, or religious practices, I would get a little bit of imposter syndrome with that sometimes of, like – I wish my craft looked like other people's sometimes. I feel so, like, inauthentic because, like, for a spell to help my girlfriend get a job, I literally just pinched some herbs and tossed them in the air over her and said a couple of words of intention and kissed her. Like...
0: But that's witchcraft, though. That's um, very witchy to me.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: that's... I don't Maybe know. that's the... um you don't so you have the chaos magic background which is kind of linked to ceremonial magic yes no
1: chaos magic is fucking a piss in the wind it's whatever you want it to be okay
0: um i don't know like maybe that because i used to be like that with with magic is like everything needs to be thus and so and i needed it to be elaborate and you know what i mean and as i've gotten older i'm like. You know, I made a I made a protection charm for Joyce. Just I put three cat whiskers in a little glass vial, and tied it up with a string, and said, Hang this from your mirror of your mirror. Done.
1: Yeah.
0: So I, I know what you mean though, like when you feel like um I don't know, maybe don't, you, you, you feel like you have to put on more of a show, even though you I know like- it's gonna have the same result. <laughs> Yeah,
1: see, like, I'm going to also touch on another thing. Here's a bit of a problem in the witchcraft community. It's so easy to look at really big-name witches, not to fault them, because, like, a lot of them are actually really fucking nice people. Um, but it's really easy to look at them and be like, wow, I wish my craft looked like theirs. And holy fuck, is that not the exact goddamn thing or same thing as being trans oh wow i wish i looked like them we're being queer Mm -hmm. oh wow i wish i looked as queer as them we're always like doing that to ourselves and it's so fucking self-sabotaging but we still can't help but not do it i'd love to look like like, I mean, I look fucking hardcore witch. Like, when you see me walking down the street in my dress, wearing my mantle and shit, like, I obviously look like a witch. But aesthetic isn't practice, you know? And, right. like, my practice is very minimalist. It doesn't take a lot. Uh, it's always kind of working. You know, I'm always connected to it. I'm always having a dialogue. And it's subtle. It's a, it's it's a present all the time, but it's not like I have a coven. It's not like I have group rituals or quarter calls I've memorized. It's not like I have poems I've written for gods or grandiose rituals hell hakate is still pissed off at me because i have failed to muster to give her a ritual every time she has requested it of me and i think it's actually kind of funny at this point but that's another discussion um but like i think the thing that i'm trying to connect with my craft is like the feeling of legitimacy like yeah i can make stuff happen but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just taking for granted something that works and trying to toss a little bit more into the gears that actually need to be there. You know,
0: Mhm. I think this discussion at this point, I think what you're kind of leading towards, Sophia, is more of the discussion of like imposter syndrome.
1: A little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think we're
0: kind of veering off in that direction. But I can see how mental health can affect like imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Like, feeling feeling those same feelings and uh, contributing to that disconnect from your craft. But I would actually love to do an entire episode on that. So I don't want to get too much into it in this one. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't plan on, like, um, going into like that, how, like, the imposter syndrome bit.
0: Yeah. But you kind of realize that, like, that's kind of just, like, where you were headed. And I, I, I think that's actually really cool that that connection was made. Because I've been really wanting to do an episode, um, a whole episode on that. Um, but um, are there... I yes, I have if more you to mentioned... continue on
1: that. I have more to continue yes. on that if you want. Mm-hmm. So, like, because of that, I am feeling a little disconnected from my craft. And, like... I, a huge part of my work aside from like the mental gymnastics of it all is energy working and I can't feel the energy for shit lately and it's been driving me up the fucking wall and I can't meditate and I, I'm deliberately trying to not dream right now because I have way too much dreams and I'm like relishing the fact that for a little bit in my life I'm getting a bit of a break but I know I'm just pushing it all away and I know that it's got to come back. And I feel like I got to like sit down and have that big trip experience, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I think, Absolutely. I think we all need to um really do that one thing that really is going to reconnect us. And so When, when, like, I know me and Scott plan on doing our rededication, um, what is today? Just to give some context for anyone who's listening to this at a later date. So, Saturday, so we're recording this January 22nd, so Saturday would be, um, the 25th. So, January 25th, um, we'll be doing our rededication ritual, and I would love to, in the next episode, um, for, um, for us to talk about the results of that i'm just curious sophia like when you had planned on doing like your uh, working or whatever it is that you
1: by working do you mean a tab of acid
0: mm, Is it, okay so that's what you're planning on doing i, I don't know like how do you do, do it, you schedule something like that or is this just kind of no, happen
1: <laughs> no you ask the universe very politely and sometimes it drags your heels if you're not so sure about it, but if you're persistent and you keep mm. asking, it'll look at you and say fine and put it down in front of you, and then you take it and you're like, oh shit, I wish I didn't do this. And then afterwards, <laughs> you're like, I needed this, and then it's like, yeah, you're welcome. Good night. Now, do you
0: feel like um, do you feel like you're gonna kind of be still in this limbo state until you can do that, or is there some kind of working that you I don't might? Know.
1: It's never a solution. I mean, like, we don't talk a lot about hallucinogenics on the podcast because it mm-hmm. is a very taboo subject, but it's a huge fucking part of a lot of witchcraft practices around the fucking world. And I am so mm-hmm. mad that we can't talk about it and have a larger discussion as a whole in a community because, God fucking damn it. Anyways.
0: <laughs> right um, I mean, we could it, always do it like an, an aside on that like I would I would be interested in talking with you more on that so we could do like a mini episode
1: uh, that wouldn't be a discussion it'd be an interview I'm the only person of three of us who uses hallucinogenics in a magic sense right Mm -hmm. so like I could I I still think it it, would be an
0: interesting conversation
1: I feel that everyone should
2: find uh, I guess their entry point into feeling ready to go on a journey of, of healing. Um, I think you need to find a way that works best for you. Um, make sure that you're healing, uh, in, in a healthy safe manner. Um, and realize that you're not alone realize that there are are people there, someone somewhere to talk to, 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 who, who truly cares about what you're going to say, you know, who who will actively listen and, and not shun you in any way.
0: For me, it is difficult to talk about mental health things. It's It always has been. Um, I'm probably not the person to uh, go to therapy myself, but I'm always the person that will never shame anyone for doing it for themselves. Same with um, seeking medication for any particular issues, uh, mental health issues. So, but that's just generally not I just feel like that that's not the right path for me, but I will never, um, shame anyone for doing that for themselves. However, um, I have realized that I think some of the best ways to heal from our trauma is to face it head on. Um, is just to really, is to really just interact with it, maybe through meditation or, uh, like Scott did with um, communicating uh, with their inner child through tarot, so I think there are ways to get very um, introspective and really dig into the self um, on your own. Now, that's if you feel like you can handle something like that. If you feel like you need kind of like an outside source to to help you do that then by all means there is no one way to heal there is no one size like no one size fits all solution for how to recover from any sort of trauma um and i just think it's important that we should respect the choices that each of us make to heal from these traumas I think that's very important. So, you know, just be mindful of your own path, but don't um try not to interfere I- negatively for someone else's choices. You know, if if they're if they decide to, you know, go out into their backyard and smash a bunch of pots to deal with something that they're just angry about, you know what I mean? Like don't like that's just how they're coping with that, you know? Just be there for them. Um, Now, if it starts to cause you, like, mental anguish and bodily harm, obviously remove yourself from the situation, but um, I just think that we should respect each other's healing process and understand that it's not the same for everyone.
1: Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I guess, like, I'd like to reach out to people out there who are struggling, you know? Like, when Scott says you're not alone, I'm the person who hears that from somebody else and goes, yeah, I am. But Mm. I want to just kind of flip that on its head a little bit because I know that's a choice that I make. And a lot of the time we feel like we can't reach out and we feel like we're alone because depression lies to you. It does that. It'll make you think that nobody cares about you when people really fucking do. And I know it can be the most impossible thing in the world to believe that someone would want to care about you, but you don't need to necessarily understand it. You just need to believe the people when they say it. And I know that can be hard, too. Fuck, trusting anyone can be hard. Mm -hmm. But it's gonna be hard that's the point and it ain't gonna be easy but I know you can do it and I'm as much talking to you as I'm talking to myself as I'm talking Mm -hmm. to Scott you know like you can do it it's it's not gonna be fucking easy but it is not impossible and I know that sometimes it can be the scariest thing in the world to confront that shit to to talk to someone, to to open up, but it's what really is going to make a difference in the end. And I just really want to encourage you to to take the steps that you can, you know, open up to anybody that you can, even if it's us, if there's nobody else, you can like come to our group and say something, we'll be there, you know, but you got to take the step if, if you want to feel better. And I promise you, it may not be immediately, but eventually you will feel better. And I think that's what I want to close on.
0: I like that. I like that I like that a lot. Um so we're gonna wrap it up here. Um <clears throat> my little ending spiel. We are on uh you can follow us on various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, the big three and um we have a facebook group which i will put a link to in our in our show description now so the link to the facebook group will be there um it is a private group you can search it on facebook so you just search it um and then you uh click the join button and then someone will approve you um <clears throat> but yeah the the facebook group is really cool because it allows the the conversation to continue even after we're done recording um it's it's a good little group. It's just getting started. Um so sometimes we have little quiet periods and little periods of activity, but it's nice. I like I like how it's progressing and I like how it's growing and I look forward to seeing more of you join in. And I um, read
1: everything you post there. Literally everything. Yes, I read it.
0: Everything is mm-hmm. right. By mm-hmm. Sophia. I read everything too I just don't always react to everything because a lot of times I'm at work and I'm reading through everything I really need to make more of an effort to like make some kind of indication that I've looked at it me um, too but yeah. <laughs> I am reading it um Sophia just makes it very known <laughs> that what? she's right which is good at least one of us is so um yeah we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here and we will see you in the next episode
1: bye everybody all so much don't you forget to banish